few things you have to deal with all of our lives. Relationships and money. One of those will make us rich. One can go away overnight, and sometimes some of those relationships sort of go away overnight. But the fact is, the relationships is what makes us rich. These next three times that we're together, I want to speak to the theme of relationships that work and last. Relationships that work and last. Back in 1972, Ruth and I took our first trip overseas. I got to have my 30th birthday in Sorrento, Italy. If you didn't have a birthday in Sorrento, Italy, I just committed to you. But it was, uh, it was a wonderful concept. We were going to call it Venture Living. And at that point, I had never been in a small group. Now, small groups are common today. But back in the 1970s, not so much. And there was a couple of my mom on Delta Fight Group Theory, but talked about how you build relationships. His name was Lyman Coleman. He lives down here in Colorado, even today, not far from Denver. And uh, he had a template, a model that he used for how you build relationships. And he had four points to it. And what I want to do is, and I've talked with him about this, uh, two things. I want to share with you his idea that I've amplified it, and we'll call it relational baseball. And it has to do with how you build relationships. I want to use the text, Philippians, the first chapter, the first 11 verses. Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. And listen to the, pro, to the, to the plurals in his writing. This is Philippians 1, 1 through 11. Here we go. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to the followers of what? Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, in truth, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is great for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains, that is, in prison, or defending and confirming the gospel out of prison, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may discern what is best and be pure and blessed until the day of Christ. In this passage, Paul is talking about how love works and how relationships work. And during these next few times together, I want to reflect on those ideas. So, why don't we start the game? It goes something like this. Baseball, 
ministry gift. Now, the goal of a relationship, there are two things you have to have in any relationship for it to work, whether it's business or the military or family or friendship or any of that. There are two things you have to have, and that is trust and respect. have those two things, you don't have an authentic, quality relationship. But how do you get there? How do you get to trust and respect? The first step I'm suggesting is history giving. Listen to how Paul talks about it when he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. He has history with these people. And so some of you remember the story from the Acts where he is called to Macedonia, to the north of Greece, and he ends up in the Philippian jail. Almost every time he goes to, he ends up in their jail. So he's familiar with that. But he also does a church plan, if you will, with this businesswoman named Lydia. And so he's had experience with these folks, and he's saying, every time I, I think of your town, every time I think of you, I remember you with joy. So, where does history giving begin? I mean, what's, what's the essence of that? History giving works in sharing the light. One of the ways of saying this is, what is your story? We talk about this time being a journey. What is your journey through life? What's your story? When you reach that, what does it, it look like? Let me just start here. The history giving, first of all, is biblical. that God starts with us. This is a history book right here. If you want to know the character of God, read the history of God with human beings over the last several thousand years. I mean, when I read this, when I read this, I get back in the Old Testament, there are some terrible people in the Old Testament. I mean, just conscious, horrible people in the Old Testament. And I'm, I'm reading that, and, and God reaches out to love them. I'm looking at that and I'm saying, well, if he could love those guys, he could certainly love me because I'm not that bad. So that encourages me to trust him. But when you start learning somebody's history, trust starts to grow. You start connecting with people. But it's a biblical idea. Listen to how the scripture talks about Jesus. Now understand that Jesus could come in any way. He could just show up in Israel or Palestine. He could just show up in Norway or show up. I mean, it could be beating me down somebody. It could be one of those. He could just do that like that. But the story of Jesus is that he starts out being born just like we are. He's, he's born and he has a life. Listen to how specific it is about his history in Luke, the second chapter. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world in the Luke, the second chapter. This was the first census that took place when Gracious was governor of Syria. Syria. The reason they did a census because they wanted money. They wanted to know how many people were there for the census. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee and Judea to the Delta The town of David, because he belonged to the house of money of David, and went there to register with Mary, whose place to be married was distressing and child, and it goes on. And you read this, you also read about it in Matthew, and, and you learn specific pieces. You learn 
a little thing. And I'm saying, why did God go out of his way to tell us who the governor is and who the fact that they're having political influence and they have to go into Why does he go into all that? Well, he's all of his spectacles, all of his purples, the purples, and the monitors that the government has donated to him. I mean, it's just, it's this network, this baseline of understanding that we can do, that we understand. History giving is a biblical idea. It's a biblical idea. Secondly, history giving is natural. Then on, I just have people where they're born and brought up the lot safer. And, and you say, well, what is it? What is practical? I, I was born on March 17, 
regard to Jesus. Very specific about that. And then you start there when you start saying where you were born and brought up. It's just a, it's just a very interesting thing because with that, when you, when you start thinking about that, all kinds of questions come up. Like, how many, how many children were there in your family as you grew up? Let's do an experiment. How many of you were brought up in a family with three children or more? Would you raise your hand? Come on, just keep them up there. Many, many hands raised here. I'm going to call the number of kids in your family. Can you just keep your hand up? I'm going to call the number of kids in your family. When I go to your number, put your hand up. Three, four, More than 12 here? What's, what's your first name, sir? Let's hear it for David. Just, just that he's here. A family of 12. I mean, that, I mean, just making it to the trough when you have a family. <laughs> I asked this question once at a sister's retreat in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and some old boy had his hand raised at 19. And I said, 19, same mother? Said, same mother? I said, what's your name, sir? He said, he said, more? You gotta be kidding me. It's like, anyway. He said, well, see, now I only have one, one sibling, an older sister. But David knows, so what number were you, David, in the next day? You were in the middle. Now, David, I'm gonna guess this, but you know about handing down stuff. You know how to eat fast. You know, you can't hardly close your eyes when you bust the food because somebody will grab your potato. You gotta, you say, this is crazy. This is, I mean, what does this have to do with the Bible or with the good news about Jesus? Well, nothing. If you don't want to know me, love Jesus knows me. You see, the thing about Jesus is that he knows everything about my history. And he still wants me. That's the good news. He knows everything. Wants me. And when and when you start learning my history, it changes how you see me. It changes how you see me. But it just have so many questions. Like, what did you do for fun as kids? I mean, we're out here in the Great West. What did you do for fun as kids? Anybody just hollered it out. This how many fish are we doing out there? Okay, a lot of fish. What else? You know, all that. All those kind of things. Really? We got marbles, we got basketball, we got ice hockey. But the farther farther you go, the more ice hockey you get. The further south you go, the more catfish you get. I mean, it's just, it's just all kind of. How about Red Rover, Red Rover, or Capture the Flag, or Kick the Can, or Hide and Seek, or Cops and Robbers? I mean, just all this, all these kind of things. I asked this question one time, and a lovely boss of me, although raised her hand and said, uh, I wrote this. I'm from Oakland, California, and pig means a totally different thing sometimes in Oakland than it does in other places. And I said, where, where were you, at that time I wasn't saying brought up, I said, where were you raised? And she said, I was raised in uh, Iowa on a farm. I said, how do you ride a pig? I said, well, you just get up on the top of the wakeboard, those big stuff, all the way forward, and you don't want 
people to try to laugh and say, that's amazing. And I asked the question, is there anybody here in that particular group that ever wrote a picture like five counties came out of the closet? You know? Let me just ask the question, is there anybody here tonight who ever wrote a picture? Oh my. Oh, we have. We got, well, we got big writers all over. This, I mean, we, I got to tell you, I've asked this question in different parts of the world. There's a whole fraternity of Swanee Sitters Anonymous around the world. You say, what? That's crazy. What, I mean, why? What does that have to do with biblical nothing? If you don't want to love it, if you want to love it, you have to relationship. The history is critical. When you when you find out somebody's history, you develop two life friends. I was a student in college campus some years ago. We had a chapel about 50 kids wanted to talk, so we went out and sat in the library. Somebody said, "Miss Pope, what books do you read? Who are some of your favorite authors?" And I think. I have the one that you can check out for a week or two, and it's the Dewey Decimal System, and it's registered with a lot of the Congress, and that sort of thing. And it's got three speeches And then I have this whole other library that has human skin on that's sitting next to you. That's a whole library right there. That's a story. If you knew that story, or those stories, it would be unbelievable. If we could take the time for these 200 folks here tonight to come up and tell your story, we'd be here for weeks, maybe months, because all of the stories of life lived out and the grace of God, the challenges, the ups, the downs, the sideways, all of that, huge. And I got to tell you that, that when you write papers in school, in high school, or college, you know, they have you do a bibliography of that, and you listen to the site, the sources from which you quote in your paper. Those things you list in the back are called, when you list a book, it's called a secondary resource. If you, however, do an interview with somebody, it's called a primary resource. Because getting the first person story with the inflection and the emotion and the passion to it is a lot more powerful than just reading it in a book. The first person story. And uh, it, it, it does things to people when you get it that way. You see, I don't know if I have tomorrow. As far as I know, I don't have any great speech or anything, but I don't know if I have tomorrow. I'd like to believe I have tomorrow. What I know is that I have this moment. What I really know is that I have 67 years of history. And if person who wants to know me doesn't want to know that history, then let's not talk about loving each other like Jesus loved us. Because that's who I am. I've got 67 years of history. Your life and my life is a journal. And as we get to know people, we let people read pages of the journal. That's just how it is. Some of you know about this thing called Elder Hospital. It's where older folks can go out older person sitting in a university history class in Southern California 
theme for the day in U.S. history was the Civil War, in particular D-Day, June 6, 1944, in Normandy. Press the page that said, they were displayed in June 6, 1944, in Normandy, and we started detailing what happened that day when the Germans said they woke up and broke down and saw the largest sailing armada that had ever been assembled in the history of the world, 5,000 ships, as far as the eye could see. Men got on those hidden boats that you remember saving Private Ryan and the Mongols day, and all you see those guys sitting on the land like that. Some of them 12 miles off the sea, and they start in. And Stephen Ambrose says that he could not find, he could not find, if I remember correctly, anybody who survived the first wave coming off those boats. The professor was talking like this, and this older gentleman in the Navy Thank you. 
most paraphrase of that goes something like this. For God so loved the people that he accurately estimated that he was a creature and needed a redeemer. Therefore, we adequately supplied a redeemer in the person of Jesus Christ so that folks could never get forever. Therefore, folks know the world. That was the accurate So when, when I start learning your history, what happens is, I start learning where to love you. I start learning where to love you. I start learning those places that allow us to connect with each other. That's just, that's how it is. That's, that's how it works. I'll never forget being in a, in a little room. One of, the, one of the exercises sometimes when we have small groups and we talk about history, we talk about drawing a childhood at the table where um, your dinner table when you grew up. Now, a lot of us can't remember our childhood at the table. The shape of the table or anything like that. I asked this question once at a military dependence retreat in Bethlehem, in West Germany. And a young 18 year old man came up. He was the son of an Air Force master sergeant. He came up and said, Which of my 18 tables would you like to see? I've moved every year of my life. And um, when I asked Bruce's father, Roy Blakely, what was your table like? He drew this. Six of us kids, we were all sitting here. This was during the Depression years, and my dad had two jobs, I think, and he was never at home for dinner. But this was my mother. She went from the table to the stove to the sink, back to the table. She said, I can never remember my mother sitting down at the table. And I was, at a, I was in this group, and I asked this, these folks, what was it like to have the head of the table? This one, Thank you. 
said, I was raised in an orphanage in Rhode Island until I was 15 years old.
go back to the to the school where I was brought up my first two years in school, as some of you know, was in a British boarding school up in the Cape Plantation Peninsula. And it was a British girls' boarding school. And they let little boys go there until they were nine, and they figured out those are girls, and then the nine go out. So it's just like that. But we went there, and they invited us in a tea time, and we walked in, and here's that all these girls, striped blue and horse, sitting up straight, sitting with their eyes closed, and reaching across, and they passed the water. And Ruth saw that and said, that's it. And I swear you got that. And it was, it just, it was, it was built into me. Or, or the time that I came by the kitchen, and Ruth was just crazy, Ruth was in there, and she was, Coloring eggs for the kids. And I said, uh, Ruth, we didn't. She said, uh, Well, we're going to be excited to go. But I'm the one who's going to welcome back to Jenny. She said, Well, I said, It's all ancient. It's super dope. That was a sort of sculpture. She said, I don't know. We're just really excited. So we're coloring eggs here. And we're just going to put them out in the bushes and just go look for them. I said, No, no, it's the ancient villages. And she said, Now, this, my parents. History will reach up and bite you. I mean, you know this, like folks who get married, they know it's not a huge issue, usually, like, is there a God? It's do we open the presents on Christmas Eve or on Christmas morning? Or what's the deal with squeezing it in the middle of the tooth? Or what's that all about? Or what? You know, these are the big pieces in all kinds of relationships. You know, how does that, how does all that work? History giving is the basis for relationships. shows that we, in fact, are a walking journal. And when we take time to read the book, it changes the message. The appreciation level starts to exist. The trust level starts to exist. The respect level starts to exist. You don't just walk into a relationship and tell somebody who will say you have to do that. Not at all. You know, we're not asking you to stand up and say in front of a thousand people that you're going to sort of thing that Understand correctly, there's stuff in my life that I did that was terrible. That's the whole point of Jesus. If you can get that away, why would we want to go there again and detail that all over again? So that's not what this is about. This is about security pieces that help shape who I am. I'm not done being shaped. I'm not done being framed in terms of how I see things. But those early years in particular, up through your teenage and into your early years, that sort of thing, those kind of things shape. It's not about psychology, it's about the story. And when I find out that he was scarred so that his back could be trapped, and just understand that I had shaped by this man, that's when God gives us, starts giving us relationships. You can have marvelous conversations when you start talking about who are the people that you want to have there that have a positive impact. See, things became positive. In fact, I would submit to 
Jesus has done in your history. If you're not from this congregation or you're visiting, please know that if you open your life to Jesus, you will never be Covenants again and again, and all levels, all the time. 
ultimate relationship with God And the nature of the covenant in the scriptures is this. We have two kinds of covenants. One is a mutual agreement. Thank you. 